Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. My name is Andrea, and I am a homesteading hedge witch living close to nature on 13 beautiful acres in Massachusetts. On Path of a Green Witch podcast, I like to share information about witchcraft, herbalism, and homesteading. I want to talk about Tituba. Tituba was the first woman to be accused of practicing witchcraft during the 1692 Salem Witch Trials. Most of us have heard of the Salem Witch Trials. I'm from Massachusetts, so I definitely had heard of the Salem Witch Trials, and I don't know if I saw that movie or whatever, but I do remember Tituba being portrayed as a black woman. That is what I grew up thinking, and that is not factual. When somebody writes a book or a play and it's fictional but based on an actual person, they might change certain things about that actual person to make their fictional story a little more interesting. So, Tituba had to become black to seem more sinister and to seem more witchy, I guess. I'm going to talk a little bit about who Tituba was and I want to go over something that was written for the New England Quarterly in March 1974 called The Metamorphosis of Tituba or Why American Intellectuals Can't Tell an Indian Witch from a Negro. This is by Chadwick Hansen. Before I get into that, let's just go over a little more general stuff. Like I said, Tituba was the first woman to be accused of participating in witchcraft during the 1692 Salem Witch Trials. That was obviously over 300 years ago. You know, like how telephone goes, you hear a retelling of a retelling of a story. The original information gets changed drastically in the end. So you could see how that might happen after 300 years of the tellings of the stories of Tituba. What we do know factually is that Tituba was an enslaved woman and she was owned by Samuel Paris, who was from Danvers, Massachusetts. There is some debate about Tituba's origins, but research has suggested that she was actually originally from South America, and she was probably a native of the Tibito, which is a Carib tribe from South America. And she sailed from Barbados to New England with Samuel Paris. But not much is known about Tituba's life before she became the enslaved person of Samuel Paris. Some people think she got her name, Tituba, from the tribe or town that she came from, but we're not really sure about that. Tituba's husband was also enslaved by Samuel Paris. Tituba's husband was known as John Indian, and he was an indigenous man whose origins were also unknown, but he may have been from Central America or South America, maybe even Tibito, Colombia, like Tituba. At some point during the Salem witch trials, Tituba actually confessed to making a witch cake but that was only because her master, Samuel Paris, had beat the confession out of her. After the Salem witch trials, Tituba actually remained in jail because Samuel Paris refused to pay her jail fees. And then in April of 1693, Tituba was sold to an unknown person, basically for the price of her jail fees. So later on in an interview, Tituba confirmed that Samuel Paris had actually beaten her in order to get her to confess to making the witch cake and all of the other stuff. He had even coached her in what to say and how to say it when she was first questioned. So now I want to get into that article from March 1974 by Chadwick Hansen, The Metamorphosis of Tituba, 
or why American intellectuals can't tell an Indian witch from a Negro. Tituba was a Carib Indian woman who played an important part in the Salem witch trials. She was the first confessor, and she has played a curious role in American history ever since. She was a Carib Indian woman, so let us keep that fact firmly in mind. She was also the slave of Reverend Samuel Paris, who had brought her and her husband John to Salem Village from Barbados. She was involved in some of the occult experiments that began the whole Salem affair, although she was probably an assistant in those experiments rather than an instigator of them. The experiments themselves were identifiably English rather than Indian in origin. Over the years, the magic Tituba practice has been changed by historians and dramatists from English to Indian to African. And the more startling thing is that Tituba's race has been changed from Indian to half Indian to half Negro to Negro. In Arthur Miller's play The Crucible, Tituba is portrayed as a Negro practicing voodoo. There is no evidence to support those changes. So let's start with Tituba as she appears in the 17th century court documents and then also in some of the contemporary narratives. In court documents, she is never referred to as anything but an Indian. Tituba an Indian woman or Tituba an Indian woman or Tituba Indian. Her name Tituba is spelled in a few different ways but she's always referred to as an Indian woman. According to John Hale, the Salem witchcraft began with occult experiments by two adolescent girls who did try with an egg and a glass to discover their future husband's occupations. The egg and glass is an English folk method of divining. The white of an egg is poured into a glass and the subject stares into the egg white like a fortune teller into a crystal ball, expecting a vision. It is a method, in short, for producing a hallucination. Both of the girls got the same result. They saw a coffin, or as Hale put it, a specter in the likeness of a coffin. The experience literally frightened both of them out of their wits and into the hysterical seizures which were so prominent a feature of the Salem trials. One of them never recovered her sanity. She was followed with diabolical molestation to her death. According to tradition, Tituba assisted in these experiments, and there is one piece of evidence in the court records which suggests that she was experienced in the fortune teller's trance. She ended her testimony on March 1, 1692 by saying, I am blind now. I cannot see. I think she meant she no longer has the ability to see the future or things like that. The other magical practice with which Tituba seems to have been connected also occurred early in the course of events at Salem Village. Several girls were displaying violent hysterical symptoms and a Dr. Griggs had diagnosed those symptoms as due to witchcraft, but there were as yet no suspects. At this point, Mary Sibley, the aunt of one of the afflicted girls, went to Tituba and her husband John with an old English recipe for witch finding. Rye meal was mixed with the girl's urine to make a cake which was baked at the fire and fed to the Paris dog, presumably on the theory that the animal was a familiar, a messenger assigned to a witch by the devil. That is all the basic information we have about Tituba's connection with magical practices in Salem Village, and all of it tells us that she was a Carib Indian who seems to have been involved in practicing English magic. 
John Fisk had some ugly things to say about Tetuba. In the Salem Village Parsonage, he said, Two colored servants whom Paris had brought with him from the West Indies. The man was known as John Indian, and the hag, Tituba, who passed for his wife, was half Indian and half Negro. Their intelligence was of a low grade, but it sufficed to make them experts in palmistry, fortune-telling, magic, second sight, and incantations. It should hardly be necessary to point out that there is nothing in the documents or contemporary narratives nothing to support Fisk's vicious insinuations. We do not know the IQ of John or of Tituba. There is no reason to assume they merely passed for man and wife. On the contrary, there is every reason to believe they were legally married. They are always referred to as man and wife in the documents. In Marion L. Starkey's The Devil in Massachusetts, we find, quote, the loudest John Indian and his consort, the ageless Tituba, said to be half Carib and half Negro, end quote. Starkey's Tituba is half-savage with slurred southern speech and tricksy ways, and she is lazy. She does the heavier household chores, but not one gathers with energy. She prefers idling with the little girls to working, and it is during such idling that Tituba yielded to the temptation to show the children tricks and spells, fragments of something like voodoo remembered from the Barbados. Starkey characterizes Tituba's confessions as her apparently witless wanderings and her behavior under examination as instinctive. It is hard for the reader to remember that such a tituba is half Indian and perhaps it is hard for the author as well because at one point he calls tituba the trembling black woman. As you can see, this is where we're making the progression in fiction from her being an Indian woman as she was in the legal court documents and in real life to her being half black and then just black. And whenever she's referred to as half black or black, they seem to refer to what happened as voodoo when we know that it was actually English rituals that were taking place. But because they have decided to turn Tituba into a black woman, they are assigning voodoo as her belief system. So it's painfully evident that we are dealing with a kind of inverse racial prejudice in that where witches and witchcraft are concerned, American intellectuals prefer Indian to English, and half Indian, half Negro to Indian, and Negro to half Indian, half Negro. So it is significant that the racial metamorphosis occasioned by this prejudice began between the Civil War and World War One. That is a period when ethnic hatreds in the United States were at their most intense. But this metamorphosis didn't stop or reverse itself after World War I. Instead, it just moved to its completion by the 1970s. John Fisk was an overt and conscious racist. He was the first president of the Immigration Restriction League. We live in a racist culture. White intellectuals, at least in recent years, have liked to think of themselves as free of racial prejudice and have been hurt or even angry to hear themselves described by black militants as phony white liberals. The hurt and anger are partially justified because surely they have meant no ill. We are not free 
of racism, and we will not be free of it until we recognize, among other things, that beliefs and practices which we regard as superstitious do not necessarily have racial boundaries. We need to recognize that witchcraft, when it's found in New England, is more likely to be English in origin than Indian or Negro. Like I was saying, in these fictional stories about Tituba, they like to describe her as a black woman who was practicing voodoo here in New England, and that's just not factual. The reality is that she was an Indian woman from the Caribbean or South America, and she was just helping these girls with the spell that they were trying to do to figure out the professions of their future husbands. This was a spell that had European origin, not Indian or African origin. Tituba, as far as we know, didn't have any African ancestry when she was brought from South America. She was described simply as a Carib Indian woman. That is the metamorphosis of Tituba, we need to understand that she was a real person. She clearly suffered a lot. I'm sure the time that she spent in jail when her owner refused to bail her out was pretty miserable. I'm guessing 1690s jail would have been just absolute miserable conditions. And then she happened to be bought by some other random unknown person who was just willing to pay her fines. So who knows what she endured there. I remember reading that she was worried that Samuel Paris was going to beat her really badly. And then I wonder, like, what did her husband think of that? As a husband, how would you feel knowing that this person owns you and your wife and he's going to beat your wife. As human beings, we can empathize. We can put ourselves in their position and imagine what it must have been like. And then imagine if this reverend, this was supposed to be a Christian man who owned a man and his wife and beat a confession out of the wife. And then she went to jail. Did the husband stay with the brutal owner, Samuel Paris? I could do a lot more research. I have so many more questions. So it's very likely that I am going to do a follow-up episode to talk more about Tituba's life. I did read that she kind of fell from the written record at some point, but I have so many questions. What happened to John Indian? Was he able to stay in contact with his wife? Did they ever have any children? I have so many questions. How did they feel about being owned and taken to a different country and beaten and abused and put on trial and put in jail and all of that horrible stuff? So thank you very, very much for listening. I hope you found this episode informative and you can definitely look out for more episodes on Tituba and witchcraft in general. Thanks for listening.